Well, welcome today to Up and to the Right. I am so thrilled that you are joining us and I am excited about our guest today, which is none other than the Oklahoma City location pastor, Pastor Samson Varghese. Yep, excited to be here, Pastor Rodney. Well, I am thrilled to sit down with you. And man, what an incredible weekend at North Church and what an amazing word. Thank you for that word that you brought. Thank you, Pastor, I appreciate you saying that, yeah. And so I was encouraged, I was challenged, I was, um, in fact, I got my peeps that I'm thinking about right now inviting to come to church yeah and and really inviting to come to church is more about inviting them to come to jesus isn't it that's what it's about that's exactly it yeah i think you know we play a unique role in the kingdom because you know as a church we are the the the, the entity that's moving the kingdom forward and so the moment someone gets to know the church and the bride of christ like that that is getting to know jesus and the kingdom of god is built on relationships yes one relationship at a time. And so let me just, your story was so, um, I mean, the whole message was amazing. I, I loved how you opened up talking about your car yeah. uh, and you're still driving that car today, right? Still drive that car today, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so you got an amazing deal. I guess you call it a hell of a deal. It was a hell of a deal, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Be careful how we say that, but yeah, um, yeah so you, you learned a lot about what it means to ask from your brother-in-law yep. on that situation. Yep. It's just not naturally part of you. It's not, no, no, absolutely. I think naturally, you know, I can, uh, especially in those situations, I think quiet and it, people look at me like the salesman looks at me like I'm the authoritative figure because I don't say a word. <laughs> You're like, look at her. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, absolutely. So you told an amazing story about uh, how your family came to Christ, yeah. uh, specifically your dad. And that was really, I mean, it pulled at my heartstrings uh, just to remind me of my responsibility. And then of course, the generational impact yeah. that one man, uh, well, really a grandfather, yeah. who invited somebody else into the equation. Yeah. And then that pastor of yours who just like stepped in and refused to take no for an answer. Yeah, And so, here you are today, standing in front of North Church with hundreds of people watching uh, online and then in person, different locations, and you are sharing your life story yeah. of change because one man yeah. refused to take no for an answer yeah. and kept asking. Yeah, you know, I've, I've always thought of it, you know, really as my story, um, because obviously it's what I experienced and what I went through. Um, but then, you know, this last week, it was unique to me because I, I got to call Pastor Samuel Isaac and the pastor I was talking about um, and talking and really hearing his story because, you know, it was a different experience for him than what I experienced. And to hear from him about the fact of, you know, I knew as a child, you know, in that scenario, I knew that my dad was rough around the edges and, you know, he, he can't be contentious like I talked about. Um, but, you know, to hear, to hear it from him. And the thing about, you know, Pastor Samuel Isaac and my dad is that they're still friends, like the best of friends today. Um, and, you know, Pastor Samuel, was, he played a big role in mentoring my dad. Uh, and still to this day, like they pick up the phone, they talk to each other on a regular basis. Um, and so you see the kind of soul winning pastor that he is 
then not only is he there in that moment of inception of someone finding Jesus, but he's there throughout a lifetime. And that's that's the, the impact that we have as uh, as people who bring the gospel to someone, because you not only get to see like the change happen then when they first accept Jesus, but to see someone walk their, that entire journey of life, yeah, that's a big deal. Mm. Yeah. So amazing, so amazing. I, I'm, uh, you know, <clears throat> you have talked about your story and you did this weekend. Yeah. But we're gonna go to a special segment and it's called Talk It Over. And so we're gonna go there right now and then we're gonna come back to Samson and hear a little bit more of this amazing story. So I am here with Samson Varghese, our location pastor in Oklahoma City, and we've heard your story. It has been amazing. Now, I want to continue this story of, you know, people coming to Christ. And yep. let's talk about your wife, Hope, her story. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Hope has a very unique story um, because, I, I mean, a lot of times when I think about it, Pastor, if Nortridge didn't exist, I wouldn't have hope in my life. Um, very literally speaking, yeah. like uh, she wouldn't be present. Uh, we wouldn't have our kids. We wouldn't have our family. Like it, it played a, this church. This, this church played a big role in us finding each other and her finding Jesus. And so for her, um, you know, she uh, she kind of grew up in this church, this environment where you know God was kind of something that was kind of like beaten down to her, uh, and she had this idea of God that was like God was this angry figure up, you know, on a throne somewhere, ready to blast you with a lightning bolt when you messed up. And she grew up with this idea of a God that you feared, not a God that you had a relationship with. And, uh, you know, when she, you know, growing up in this house and, and having that kind of drilled into her, when she had the first option to leave that environment, she did. And she went to college and moved out and kind of did her own thing and, uh, and, and lived a life in the world. Um, and eventually she figured out like, you know, she's got to make some changes. Uh, she's got to make changes in who she is and what she wants to do with her life. Um, and, you know, she doesn't talk about this a ton, but um, she actually, the first time she heard about Norchurch was actually through somebody that was volunteering in kids ministry uh, here at Norchurch. And so somebody had told her about this church uh, and had invited her and, you know, she didn't think too much of it. Um, and then she would drive by this church and um, she drove by and, uh, and one day as she's driving by, she just says, you know, like she prays this kind of broken prayer. She says, God, if you're real, if you are God, as you say, then make yourself evident here. And I don't be the same God that I grew up with because that's not, that doesn't seem like the God that I that's if that's the God you are, then that's not a God I want to have a relationship with. Because to her, that was the idea of a God that was far and distant and ready to punish and bring down, you know, terror. Um, and so she walks into North Church, um, and her first experience at North Church, she had grown up in in a family and in a church environment that taught that rock and roll was the devil's music. And so uh, we got worship music going on. And, uh, you know, she felt really uncomfortable. That electric guitar and the way the drums and stuff, it probably felt a little bit like a rock and roll concert. To her. Yeah. yeah. And so she sat in the lobby thinking, 
oh, this this definitely can't God can't be here, right? Um, and so then when the sermon starts, she decides to come in, um, and you were preaching, and you know what she described to me is she walks in, and everything you were saying, you were talking from the Bible, and she'd always heard a church like this doesn't talk about God from the Bible. That's like a that's a touchy feely church that doesn't does it's not scriptural at all. And she's like, no, you were using scripture. And you were using scripture the right way. Um, and you were talking about God in a way that she'd never heard in her entire life. You weren't talking about this God who was ready to strike her down with thunderbolt and destroy her. You were talking about a God who was like a father who loved her. Um, and that was that was the reality. That was the first time she heard clearly about a God who loved her. Mm. And it absolutely changed her. Mm. And she she actually came down to the front uh, for prayer, um, and there was a, 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 one of our prayer people was down there praying for, for for her, and she just says, "I I need to talk to somebody." And so someone gave her the number of a lady in our church, Mary Morris. Uh, she calls Mary Morris. She calls that number that day, and Mary's like, "I'll meet you." And so they meet for coffee that day, um, and from that point forward she called North Church home, but it was just the amazing work, once again, of the church. Mm, yes. It took all of the church uh, to convince her that this is the real God, that this is a God that loved her, that wanted a relationship with her, um, and that had a plan and purpose for her. And so for years, you know, she was, she walked with Mary Morris, Shannon Fouts was, to this day, Shannon Fouts is her biggest discipler, that has molded her and helped her become the woman she is today. And so, and it's, it's incredible to see the life change that's come about. And I can credit, you know, we always say in our house, uh, there's, there's the Holy spirit and there's Shannon Fouts (laughs) (laughs) that work hand in hand. It's kind of in our house too. (laughs) So, you know, you, you talked about hope and her uh, upbringing and, um, some of those things that um, probably were tough for her to see God through because of what she grew up experiencing. Yeah. But you also had, you know, some t- a tough environment. Yeah. Your dad was an alcoholic. Yes. And also was abusive in some ways. Yeah. And so, but then you, going back to the pastor that invited, you ended up being the key spark yeah. to your family coming to know Jesus. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I was, it was around, I was about eight years old and, you know, our family had, um, my dad was a chef and he was in the restaurant industry. Uh, and just, I, I know if someone, somebody who's listening to this knows restaurant industry is a very, actually very difficult industry to work in and to live <laughs> a, a very pure life because of how much is going on in that world. Um, and uh, that was the world my dad was living in. And um, um, as an eight-year-old, I just, I didn't, I couldn't fully understand everything that was going on, but I knew that this wasn't healthy, yeah. even as an eight-year-old. Uh, I remember nights when, you know, like we didn't know when my dad was going to come home. He would be gone for two to three days. Um, and, you know, he'd come back home drunk. Um, he would get really loud and yell. And, you know, um, me and my sister would try to get in the way of, um, my dad trying to hurt my mom and there'll be nights when, you know, we, I could hear, I could hear my dad coming in, uh, and there's a fight going on in the next room and I could hear my mom being hurt. 
Um, and I just remember just crying into my pillow and I had no idea as an eight year old what to do about that. And it was a very difficult situation. And then, you know, the, the day that I went to church, um, and I'd say if, what it felt like going to church for the first time, we'd grown up in a, in kind of a, an Eastern Orthodox faith. Um, but it was pretty regular for us to church, go to church, um, and so when I went to this church, it was a small little Pentecostal church um, that had actually just planted in a very small office building. And so they didn't have a children's ministry. They didn't have, it was literally just one big room with everybody. Eight-year-old Samson in there with the adults. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And so I walk in um, and my, my grandfather convinced my dad to let me come to church that day because they were having a baptism. And in the Eastern Orthodox faith we grew up in, um, you actually only baptize babies. And so they, my dad, we all thought it was funny to see an adult get baptized because it only happens to babies. Yep. <laughs> and so it was like, yeah, sure, go. Like, go see this comedic thing <laughs> happening or whatever. And so we went and saw the baptism and then, then they had the service for the church. And um, I walk in and, and I just, I looked around and I feel like every single person in that room had this tremendous peace that I didn't have in my life. Um, that there was something different about them. They had this joy of the Lord that I didn't know how to quantify or describe, um, but there was it was evident to me. And I think it, it says something because I think people who don't really have an idea who God is, they can still tell by your life, by the way you conduct yourself, that there's something different about you. And that's as an eight-year-old, I could tell there's something different. And uh, it was actually during the worship service that I had this, I don't know, I can only call it like a Holy Spirit encounter where like God confronted me and I had the sense that the Holy Spirit was trying to give me that peace and I just began to to weep. And so you got to understand this is a, a small church with everyone in the same room and this one eight-year-old and clearly my, my, that pastor knew me and knew my dad and so just saw me just weeping and pulls me aside, say, what's going on? Um, and I explained to him that I want, I want Jesus in my life. I want peace in my life. And he prays with me and he leads me in a prayer. Um, and that was, I. there was a difference that day. It's great. There was a difference that day. I great. knew God was in my life from that day forward. Great. Yeah. And that started because one man was inviting. Yes. Was refusing to say no, yeah. to take no for an answer and yeah. kept inviting and yeah. kept inviting. So let me ask you this. So what... What is it that keeps us? What are some of the excuses that we use to, for not inviting people to come to church? Yeah, and to experience Jesus. Yeah, you know, I think for one, uh, you know, I was talking to some folks out in the lobby. One person told me, you know, he was grabbing some invite cards and he's like, "Hey, thank you for sharing what you did." You know, I have a classmate that I didn't even think about of inviting him to church. Yeah, but as you were talking, immediately I knew. I need to invite that person. I think part of it for us is we don't see people in the context or we don't see that as a person that typically we would they would go to church or we would invite to church. And the reality is everyone in our circle, everyone we come in contact with is eligible absolutely to be invited to church, to invite it to get to know Jesus. Everyone. Um, I also think part of it is, you know, I was talking to somebody else in the lobby and they said how, you know, they love to serve people and they at the same time would feel like they're being awkward or putting some sort of obligation on someone now that you know if they invite them to church and i was just like you know like that's actually a great platform your your service to them is a huge platform 
Uh, because I mean that if anything has earned you the right to ask them, absolutely to come come somewhere with you, it's it's that you're serving your kindness to them. Um, and then last, I, w- I would say, you know, like if if you're like me, you know, I'm I'm naturally a little bit more of a reserved person. I'm not an extrovert. I'm actually an introvert, and so sometimes, you know, I I could think maybe I'm just quiet. And I think I've heard, I've used that excuse. I've heard other people that use that excuse. So like I'm not a very outgoing person. It'd be really awkward for me to. And then I realized, you know, actually that's not a valid excuse mm-hmm. uh, because the gospel doesn't, Jesus didn't say go into all the world and preach the gospel unless you're a quiet person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, then you could just be quiet. No, he actually told all of us to make disciples. And then I realized, and I, I realized this, I'm realizing this more and more, is it because I'm a little bit more quiet, more reserved, that when I speak up, people listen. And so if you're a quieter person, if you're more reserved, know that when you speak up, people are actually listening. They think that what you have to say matters. Sure. Um, and so definitely use that as a platform to invite. Those are great examples. Yeah. When you when you told this, use the illustration of the uh, going into the store with Charlie and seeing the um, Girl Scout cookies yes. display and the people standing around and how that you were trying to avoid it and you came back and you're ready just to like, Take the plunge yeah. and go buy all of them, but no one asked you. Yeah. And then use the examples. You said maybe they thought that I don't need it, which was funny. You're like yeah. maybe they don't think I need to, you know, need to eat anymore. I've eaten plenty. I've eaten plenty of cookies. But, yeah. but sometimes we look at people like that and we think they're okay just by the outside. Mm. And they're a good person. They nice to you. They treat you nice at work and stuff. But that doesn't mean that they know Christ as Lord and Savior. Yeah. And even if they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they need a community. They need a a family of faith to worship together and be discipled. Yeah. And so invite, invite. Or you said, oh, I don't want to bother them. We feel like it's it's imposing upon them. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. That's not an excuse. Yeah. And then we can't blame our own issues. Yeah. Our own inabilities, our own lack of knowledge. Yeah. Sometimes people use that as a as an excuse. Like, well, I don't know enough. Yeah. And I don't have, a, you know, enough to share. And yeah. that's not the right excuse yeah there's actually no excuse yeah absolutely it's kind of like you know for those of you who may have gotten a vaccine or let's let's just imagine the vaccine was the cure yeah right like how silly would it be for the nurse to be like well i don't want to give you this injection because it's gonna kind of hurt your arm you know (laughs) that's a great example that's that's silly right (laughs) like we wouldn't hold back something that's life-saving for the sake of a small awkward whatever feeling that you think that you don't want to deal with or you think that you can't deal with you can well it is my dad used to pray and i remember those prayers he would he would pray in a lot of his evening prayers he would quote an old testament verse that says um basically he who wins souls is wise Mm. and that stuck with me over the years because i saw my mom and dad be soul winners yeah and they made such a huge impact in that whole area um, because everywhere they went, people knew that they were followers of Jesus and they would invite people to church. Yeah. Uh, they befriended people. They loved on people. They cared for people. And all of that was open door opportunities to be able to bring Jesus to people. Yes. Yes. So, so let me ask you this. What, 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 if a person asks you questions or something that you don't have the answers for, mm. how do you respond to that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, that's that's a tough one sometimes because whenever you're sharing your faith with someone, um, 
those questions do come up like, hey, I've always wondered like what happens to dogs yeah. after, you know, or like something weird Sure, that's out of left field. And you're like, man, how do I answer this question? Um, and the reality is it's okay to say, I don't know. I actually don't know the answer to that. Uh, you know, I always like to say, well, I don't know the answer, but you know who would? Pastor Rodney, come to church. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm scared. laughs> yeah. no, uh, no, but I also think, you know, usually when you're in kind of those conversations and it maybe becomes a little more like they want to argue about this and the historical that or whatever, I think it's a good opportunity to just say, can I just tell you my story about yeah. Jesus? Because people can argue just about anything. You know, they can argue about the science of things or the history of things or whatever. And they're going to spend hours doing that. But the one thing they can't argue with is when I was at eight years old, I walked into church and I had no peace in my life. I had an alcoholic dad and an abused mom. And I didn't know what right and wrong looked like. And I walked in, I found the peace of God. And I was different that day. Yes. You can't argue with that. No. Like no one can argue. That's my experience. It's just like that blind man in the book of Acts, uh, or I'm sorry, in, um, in, in the gospel of John, right? Where, you know, he's healed and they're bringing him into trial and they're asking him all these questions. He's like, hey, I don't know about this Jesus guy, but all I know is I once was blind, but now I see. Yes. You just do that what you can. Yes. You know? You can't argue with a testimony. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the same way with your your da dad, your yeah. family, the life transformation that happened. Yeah. You can't argue with that. Yeah. You can't explain that away. Yeah. And you can say, well, that was that was their ability to change. That had nothing to do with God. No. And and they can say that all they want. Yeah. But if you are convinced of that, I, I believe that God uses that to plant a seed in other people that, yeah. you know what, God's real. Yeah. Uh, they may initially push it off, but I think it's that seed that's being planted inside of them. Yeah. And I think you have to be brave with your story too. Like, Absolutely. I, I was talking to a friend yesterday. He was talking about how, um, you know, for a long time, he didn't tell anyone that, you know, his first son was in their wedding yeah. because he and his wife were, you know, living together before. And, you know, now he's a leader and a pastor now. Um, but he he never said that because he didn't want to make people come up. But he realized that's a powerful story. Yes. Yeah. We have to be honest with yes. our story. Yes. We cannot gloss it over. We cannot... I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Dead is dead. Mm. It doesn't matter what your dad looks like. If your dad was like hope, she grew up in church around the things of God, yeah. but yet it was dysfunctional. She was still dead yeah. uh, in her sins. You growing, not really growing up in a Bible teaching church yeah. and um, with an alcoholic father and you know, your, your dad was dead, but it, we don't compare deadness. Yeah. It's kind of like my little dog that died yeah. and we put it to sleep because it was kidneys weren't function and it just laid there all pretty and sweet. And we got a picture of it dead that yeah. we put up in our house. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty dead. Yeah. But then you can drive down the road and see a dog that's been ran over by a truck or something and it just guts and oh. body parts splattered everywhere. Yeah. That's an ugly dead. Yeah. But really dead's dead. Yeah. doesn't matter if your dead has been raised in church and you're just a good person. Or if your dad is choice of alcohol and drugs and all kinds of things, it really, all of us are dead in our sins and we all need Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so we got to take the good news to people. Yes. Yes. Mm. Thank you so very much yep. for this time together. And tell us a little bit about Easter. We got Easter coming up yes. in Oklahoma City. What are, what, are our, what are our times? Yeah. So Oklahoma City, we have our Thursday, seven o'clock.
Okay. Then we have a very special Saturday experience. And here's the thing about Saturday is we have a special Easter egg hunt. That's at 5 p.m., right? Yes, okay. yes. And so you can bring your kids. And I think that's a great opportunity to invite somebody that's yes. a family that maybe they're not typically used to coming to church on a Sunday. I actually talked to my neighbor about this and I was like, hey, we got an Easter egg hunt. I know he's not a big church person. We got an Easter egg hunt. I know he's got little kids. Come on, bring them over. You know, and so, but I don't tell them when the Easter egg hunt is. Don't do that. <laughs> tell them to come to church and then we'll make it happen. Absolutely. Um, and then we have, we're changing our times for Sunday at Oklahoma City because we want to accommodate as many people as possible. We're adding an experience and we're changing our times. So it starts at 8 a.m. And so if you, for normal 8.30 folks, where you got to show up a little bit early, right? Uh, then we have 9.30, uh, then we have 11, and then we have 12.30. Yes. And so that's plenty of time for you to, you know, come to church with your family, find an experience to serve in, because we want folks to step up and serve our, you know, I, I told you the team, the yeah. church this week, I have a personal goal of seeing 50 new volunteers. Yes. Um, and so we already had a, a bunch of folks sign up on Sunday. We need to see more people sign up. And I know some people that are going to bring, they're going to bring friends that come on a Thursday night and then maybe even a Saturday and then come on Sunday again and yes. bring friends that need to hear this message. And then of course in Guthrie, we have Saturday night at 6 p.m. and the big egg Easter egg hunt there in Guthrie, yeah. 6 p.m. Uh, and then we have Sunday, we have the 9, 9.30, 11 o'clock, and then a 12.30 experience. Yep. So I am excited about it. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Hey, thank you so very much, Pastor Sampson, for joining me today. I am thrilled to sit down with you and to hear your story and uh, your message this weekend challenged me. Thank you. And so I'm so glad that you joined us today for Up and to the Right. We look forward to seeing you next week. Join us.